Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. Now today, we're on part two of the message. Uh, Basically, we talked about together loving for the gospel's sake. That's what we talked about last week. That God wants us to be together. He wants us to love. But if we don't have the motivation to do it, then we're not going to do it the way we should do it. And so the message, uh, thank you, Drew, so much. You took, took so many great notes. That's, a, that's really, really good, man. Uh, keep it, keep a good work up, man. Yeah. So <laughs> the gospel is the reason, the motivation that I get encouraged for togetherness. The gospel is the reason why. I'm encouraged to love. Without that, then I'll just be in the flesh a lot of times, and I don't know how important it is to God. Today's message, part two of that, because we talked about only for the gospel's sake, today we're going to talk about one word. And how important is this word to God? Togetherness. How important is this word to God. I believe that God has words that are so powerful, so huge in the kingdom that we need to pay attention. Togetherness is one of them. Now, if you want to define togetherness, togetherness is defined as unity. It's defined as oneness. That's what it is. Oneness. If you look up uh, what unity is, unity is oneness. Oneness. So husband and wife, they're one. Oneness. The Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, we have one God. They're in perfect unity. Even though there are three persons in the Godhead, They have different uh, responsibilities, all of them a deity, and we think, one God, how can that be? How can this unity be? Because they are one. Now, let's go a little bit further. Let's go to, I guess, one of the passages of Scripture that all of you probably have already memorized. Let's go to the Old Testament, to Psalm. Let's go to one. 33, I think all of you probably have that psalm memorized. Probably, let's go there. Somewhere 133, we're going to do the whole psalm, which is only three verses, but they are powerful. Now, the goal today, again, is to find out how important is this word to God, unity, oneness, togetherness. How important is this word to God? And if we can see how important it is to God, then we'll realize that we, as his representatives, we, as his body, we are supposed to hold it just as high as he holds it. Verse 1. Behold, let's stop there. Now, we're going to do a little unpacking 
today of this. Verse now, if you look at it's a song of a sense of David, how would David know how important unity is to God? How would he know that? Now, one reason is because he knows what disunity is. He knows what disunity in a family is. Because David's family was really not on the same page. He had a son who raped his sister. We have a son who killed his brother. We have so much going on. We have a son who usurps authority over his father. We have all this going on in this family. David knew how important unity was to God. Also, David, when he became king, was king over one part of the nation, Judah, and then Israel was brought together, and he was king over all of Israel, all of together. He knew how important unity was. And when you go up to Jerusalem, when the, when the 12 tribes are together, oh, what, if you could just see it. And you could see it in the Old Testament a lot of times when, when, the, when the tribes were camped, all 12 tribes, and they were camped in order. And you could see the unity. And they said, behold, look in amazement, look. Now, is, is, is unity that important in the world today? Is that important in society today? Is it that important in marriages today? Is it that important in the church today? It, can we say, like the psalm says, hey, come here, come here, come here, come here. Let's get around. Behold the unity in this marriage. We're pointing to somebody's relationship. Behold how, look at the, the, the unity in this family. Or behold, look at the unity in this church. Behold. Behold. So you're summoning people together to look at something that's unusual because you don't see it. That's what he's bringing our attention, attention to into the nation of Israel. Behold. Then he says, how good. How good. And, 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 and it would be great if he would stop there because good is good. Good is not just something that's, oh, yeah, this is good. No, no, no. Good is, it has, I mean, so many benefits. That's what this good means. It means substantial benefits. If I say, you're going to be blessed if you do this. That's good, isn't it? But suppose I say, you're going to be substantially blessed if you do that. That's, that's different, isn't it? That's what this good is. Substantially good. You, there are so many benefits that go with this good that, whew, goodness gracious, how good. Substantial good. Then he says, and how 
pleasant. Oh, my goodness gracious. How lovely, how pleasant. And some things are, are pleasant. That's not good. Some things are pleasant that are actually evil. Is, is that correct? Come on, I mean, are you tracking with me? Are you just looking at my sweater? I mean, what's that? <laughs> hey, come on, we, we, it's about listening to what the word of God is saying now. Now, you know you can look at pleasant things that are really not good, that are evil. You know that, right? Right. We won't go and name some of these unpleasant things, these pleasant things. Believe me what I said. But when something is pleasant and something is good, you got a double whammy there. You got a double blessings. Behold how good, substantial good, and how pleasant it is. Now, what is? What is? David, come on, get to the picture, man. You know, you, you're unpacking all this stuff, but I still don't know what you're talking about. You haven't even said the word that we're talking about here. He said, it is for brothers. Brothers? Brothers. Brothers. Now, how good is it, how pleasant it is for blood Related brothers do well together in unity. How good and pleasant is that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, some of you probably have sons in the congregation. Uh, I know some of you probably do. Yeah. You might have brothers. Zita, you have brothers. Your mother has some sons. Or you have two sons. You know? People have sons. Uh, how good and pleasant is it? When your brothers, blood brothers, dwell together in unity. Suppose they are at each other. Do we know siblings don't get along all the time? Come on. Really? Sometimes siblings, they don't get along. Sometimes they don't speak to each other. And once they get older, sometimes, I mean, you know, they, they, they might call each other Maybe they might see each other on when they had to go to mom's house on Thanksgiving or Christmas or something like that. Other than that, they don't even see each other. Come on. You, you have a brother, don't you, John? You have a brother. How good and how pleasant is it for you and I think his name is Greg? How good and pleasant would it be for you to dwell together in unity? Yeah, yeah. Because y'all are blood brothers. It's a shame when, when blood brothers not like, not like that. But now how about spiritual brothers? How about spiritual brothers and spiritual sisters? How good and how pleasant is it for us in the body of Christ all over the world to dwell together in unity? Huh? Yeah. It does, that's what he's saying here. That's what he's saying here. Because we're talking about Israel, they were brothers and sisters in the Lord. How good and how pleasant it is for them to dwell together in unity, in oneness, 
In oneness, he's talking about here. In oneness. That's what the unity is, in oneness. Well, how good is it? Substantial good? How pleasant is it? He says, it's good, and it's pleasant. Well, see, if you don't give me something to compare with, I don't know really how good good is. I don't know how pleasant pleasant is. Right? I want to know what David is saying and God is saying through him. So he gives us two metaphors. He gives us two examples here of how good it really is. Because, see, we want, we want to know how important is this word Unity, oneness to God. How important is it? He says, I'll tell you how important it is. I'll tell you how good it is. Let's look at verse 2. It is like, oh, now it gives a comparison. Now we're talking, because I want to know, God. It's like the precious oil. The precious oil. Well, canola oil is precious, probably. Right? Vegetable oil, I got to worry about that. Yeah. Olive oil, you know, it costs a little bit more. And it's, you know, if you don't heat it to, you get, sometimes you got to buy cooking olive oil, and then you have to buy, you know, the, the, uh, the stern kind of olive oil that you mix in maybe salads. But he's not talking about that type of oil, is he? Because he says, upon the head. Upon the head. Coming down upon the beard. Coming down. On the head, coming down on the beard. So we're getting another picture here. We're talking about oil coming down from the head to the beard. I don't have a beard. But they had beards. Back then. And it says... Well, whose beard are you talking about? You're talking about this, 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 this person I saw in the street that they had a beard. You're talking about how precious it is for oil to be on his head and come down his beard. No, then he's more specific. He says, even whose beard? Aaron's beard. Oh, now I get a, oh, I get a different picture now. I get a different picture because now I'm beginning to know how precious this oil is because... He says, Aaron's beard. And Aaron was the, come on, high priest. And we know that Moses, let's go to it. Um, it's not in my, in my notes, but uh, PowerPoint person. Let's go to Exodus 30. I think I want Exodus 33. Let's go there. And we're talking about this anointing, this, this anointing oil here. That's, that's what we want to talk about, anointing oil. What type of oil was it? How precious was it? Exodus 30. That's where we want to go, Exodus 30. Verse 22. It's talking about the anointing oil. So, okay, now, we're talking about some oil that's going to pour on his head, going down to his beard, even Aaron's beard. So now we have to find out what, how important was Aaron and how important was this oil to God. In verse 22, chapter 30, it says, Moreover, the Lord 
spoke to Moses. Now, Moses was the leader. God spoke to Moses, saying, Take also for yourself the finest of spices. Not just some spices. The finest of spices of flowing myrrh, 500 shekels, and of fragrant cinnamon, half as much, 250, and of fragrant cane, 250, and castle 500 according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and of olive oil a hen. Then it says, you shall make of these a holy, holy, anointing oil. What makes us holy here now? A perfume mixture. Oh, it smelled good. The work of a perfume. So you just, anybody can't mix this up. You're not going to just mix it up in the kitchen now. You're going to have to have a perfume to do this thing now, see? Yeah, you're going to have to do this thing. And it says, it shall be a holy anointing oil. Okay. With it, you shall anoint the tent of meeting and the ark of the testimony and the table and all its utensils and the lampstand and its utensils and the altar of incense and the altar of burnt offerings and all its utensils and the laver and the stand. So everything that he had told Moses to do in building the tabernacle and all the things that they consecrate things and they uh, give offerings to him, they had to anoint with this oil. Then in verse 29 it says, You shall also consecrate them that they may be most holy. Whatever touches them shall be holy. This must be some, some holy oil here, but... He says in verse 30, you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate, that means to set them apart, that they may minister as priests to me. Now let me ask you something. Who are priests in the new covenant? Yeah, it's it's the church. The church. We're all priests. Because we are in the body of Christ, and we are all anointed. You said, well, did he pour oil on my head? No. You have the anointing in you. You have, King James said, the unction in you. The unction is the anointing in you. When you get born again, the Holy Spirit is a part of that process, and he comes to live inside of you. And let me tell you, he is holy. The Holy Spirit. The anointed one. He's anointed. He's anointed. They are, are they one? Jesus, the anointed one. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're one. I'm telling you, we are the anointed one. And he says here that back in these types and shadows that you anoint the head of Aaron, the priest, the high priest, and, and, and our high priest now is who? 
Come on. Jesus. And you, you, you anoint him and his sons, everybody is, is, is going to be part of this priestly process, and we are. This anointing oil, you could not put it on anybody else. Let's see it on, in verse 31. You shall speak to the sons of Israel, saying, This shall be a holy anointing oil to me throughout your generations. It shall, be, it shall not be poured on anyone's body, nor shall you make any like it in the same proportions. It is holy, and it shall be holy to you. Whoever shall mix any like it, or whoever puts any of it on a layman, shall be cut off from his people. How important was this, going back to Psalm 30, 133, verse 2. How, how precious was this oil? Very precious. Very precious. Now, see, see I brought this right here. And if, if y'all would have said, I said, who wants to give? Say, I do, I do. See, if you've done that, see, see what would have happened is, see, I would have been in trouble. Uh, because this is not mine to give. I borrowed it from Minerva uh, because it was a gift to her. But it is called Evelyn Rose from Crabtree and Evelyn. It, it's a, I mean, this is, uh, this is a, it's a fragrance. Woo, my goodness gracious. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fragrance that, boy, I don't let her wear it at church. I mean, I, 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 no, I was just kidding. <laughs> yeah, she, she, she wears it at church. She wears it at church. But I'm telling you, it, is, it, it smells good. It smells good. It smells good. From a perfume. This, this, the, the, the anointing oil, it was perfumed. It, was, it smelled good. It smelled good. He says that, Unity is like that oil that was poured on Aaron's head, ran down to his beard, and let's keep going now, coming down upon the edge of the robes. And so you can get different pictures, but you have oil that's poured. Now, you know they didn't pour no gallon of oil on, on Aaron's head. We know that. So they, they anointed his head, but it did drop down to his beard, and if you have a robe on, sometimes that beard, it might drop down right into the collar, you know, it might go on down, might end up on the, on the skirts of the garment. In other words, let's, let's give a type of shout. When the anointing oil is on Aaron's head, it goes down to his beard, goes down to his garments. When the anointing is on anybody, which is you, which is us, when unity is We'll dwell together in unity. It goes down from the top to the next level, to the next level, and to the next. It affects everybody down line, if you please. Everybody. When we're talking about unity, is there any greater unity than the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? There's no greater unity. Now, that's supposed to trickle down to who? Us. Us. It's supposed to trickle down to us. And, because we have the Holy Spirit in us, we are anointed. Anybody who gets around us are supposed to 
be affected by that anointing. It's supposed to be affected by that unity because it's so precious. It's precious. It's precious. And that's what God wants, which we'll talk about probably next week. He wants in, in any relationship. And it starts with the individual person. He wants unity. Then two, he wants unity. Then family, he wants unity. He wants unity. It's so precious. It's like the precious oil that is put on things and anything that touches it becomes holy. Holy. It's precious. That's what he's saying. Then it says, okay, give me another example. I get that one. It's like the dew of Hermon, so we got the, they got the dew, and we know Hermon got all the snow right at the top of it, and, and all the, 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 when you have dew, like you get up in the mornings, and then sometimes you have dew on the grass, it refreshes the grass. It refreshes flowers. It refreshes people. And this says, coming down upon the mountains of Zion, of Zion. We're talking about Jerusalem. It says that for there, for what, what that Jerusalem, Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessings. Life forever. Forever. Do, you, do we realize that, that we're going to be in the new Jerusalem? He, he has commanded blessings forever to be on Zion. And it's like dew in a natural sense coming down to the natural uh, Zion. But we're talking spiritual here. It is precious. It's precious. It refreshes. Things grow at the bottom of my mouth. Herman, I tell you, it's precious. He said, well, okay. That's, that's, that's kind of precious. Let's look at another place. Let's go to Genesis. Let's go there to Genesis chapter 11. Uh, but I want to know how precious is this thing, unity, because everybody knows that we're supposed to be in unity. We're supposed to be. God is not interested in an outward show of unity. He's not interested in it. He's looking for true, hard, felt internal unity. There's no outward show of unity in the Godhead. They don't just put on a show for the body of Christ and, hey, hey, sh- sh- hey, hey, look. Holy Spirit, act like you know you. We're together on this thing. No, no, uh-uh. no. There's no show. They are truly in unity. They are one. They are one. And he's not interested in it, in, in, in a show of unity, in a marriage, in a, in a church, in, a, in, in, in anything that's supposed to be unity because he is, in, in another verse that we might go over my head, is that the, the spirit of unity, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of unity. You can't have unity without the Holy Spirit. Not the God kind of unity because, in Genesis chapter 11, yeah, because... You can have unity together and go rob a bank. You can't. You can have unity together to do ungodly things. 
and, 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 the, and, the, and the people that's involved, they are unified. So we're not interested in unity for unity's sake. We're interested in unifying around God, around his word, around the Trinity, the Holy Spirit-led unity. That's what I'm looking for. That's what God is looking for. And that's what we should be looking for. In chapter 11, verse 1 of Genesis, we, we have this, uh, let's read it. Now, the whole earth used to use the same language and same words. It came about as they journeyed east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone, and they used tar for mortar. They said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven, and let us make for ourselves a name. Now, God has already said, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth. He's already told them that he wants them all over the earth. And they are saying, hey, let us Stay together. We're going to stay right here and build a name for ourselves. You remember last week we said that everything starts for the gospel's sake. So they weren't thinking of the gospel's sake. They weren't thinking of God's sake. They were thinking of let's make a name for ourselves. When you think about yourselves, when I'm thinking about myself, when we're thinking about ourselves, you're not going to have unity that God wants. They had unity. They had unity, but they didn't have the God kind of unity because to have the God kind of unity, you had to be unified with God and what he said and what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do. You can't go do your own thing. That's what it says here. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Why don't you want to be scattered in the face of the whole earth? Didn't God tell you to do that? We don't want to do that. We want to be together. We want to kumbaya here. That's what we want to do. We're not going anywhere. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower. He didn't have to come down to see it, did he? Which the sons of men had built. Let's see what the Lord said about their unity. The Lord said, behold. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, my goodness gracious. There's another behold. What does that mean? Hey, come here and look. Hey, angels, Come. Come, look, 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 and see this unusual thing here. What's the unusual thing? They are one people. That means that all of them are just like one. Oneness, unity. And they all have the same language so they could understand each other. And this is what they began to do. And now... Come on, say that word for me. Nothing. Come on, let me say it again. Nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Now, that's how important unity is. That's how important unity is. When you have people unified, if it's against what God has told them to do, He said that if they're in unity, they can understand each other, there's nothing impossible for them. 
Now that is, that tells me something about unity. That tells me how important unity is to God. It tells me why God wants unity in the body of Christ. That tells me why God wants unity in a marriage. That tells me why God wants unity in a family. That tells me what God, how God thinks this word and knows this word is so important. It's huge. Huge to God. So he says, come, let us go down there and confuse their language so they may not understand one another. So the, so the Lord scattered them abroad from, over, from there over the face of the earth, like what he, what he told them to do to start with, and they stopped building the city. Why did they stop building the city? They, 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 they couldn't understand each other. I can get John up here, and John can tell us some things. Come here, John. John can tell us some things, and unless you know his language, you won't have a clue what he's saying. Uh, tell us something in Russian. You know Russian? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, tell us something in, in your language, what you speak back in, in Chile. Ah, bueno, voy a hablar en español en este minuto. Primero que nada, le doy gracias al Señor por estar aquí delante de ustedes. Y para demostrarle que el Señor es grande y las lenguas de Dios son es pasiva, son demasiadamente grandes, extensas por alrededor del mundo entero. Wow, go ahead, on, but didn't, didn't that sound good? Thank you, John. That sound good. Now, how many knew? How many know what he said? Okay. <laughs> when you raise, when you raise your hand, I said. What does he raise his hand for? <laughs> he doesn't know Spanish. Now, Stella might know some Spanish, but he doesn't know Spanish. He doesn't even know Pig Latin. So how you going to know that? Now, if, if, if Katrina was here, I'd get Katrina to come up here and say something. She's Russian. And say something in Russian, and it'll be just the same. We wouldn't know that we won't have a clue what she said. And so... When God scattered them, that, that, that's it. That's it. It's no longer we're together in this thing because when I say, hey, let's do this right here, uh, what, what, whatever John said, I hope you're saying it okay. He said, John, you were in church, you know. God understands Spanish. <laughs> this, is, this is huge to God. Huge. Let me give you another example. Let's go over to... Philippians chapter 4, let's go there, 1, 2, 3. It's huge, huge. He says in verse 1, Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see my joy and my crown, in this way stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. Then he says, I urge, let's see how to pronounce her name, Yodia, that's what it said on the tape this morning, Yodia, I'm sorry, I had to listen to tapes for somebody else to pronounce these things. And I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. Now, wait a minute. We have two women in the church that he is saying, I urge, you know, we're talking about Paul now. I urge 
these two women to live in harmony in the Lord. In the Lord. You remember? For the gospel's sake. For the gospel's sake. In the Lord. Now, are these just busybody ladies, you know, just somebody off the street trying to cause problems in the church? No, he said, indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel together with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So we're talking about Christians, we're talking about people who labor with, with, with Paul in his struggles. We're talking about two women who are mighty in God, but yet they were having problems with each other in the church. I don't know what the problems they were having because it didn't say. So that tells me it was not important. What was important, he said, I urge... I urge these two women to live in accord, live in oneness, in harmony with one another in the Lord. That's huge for God. I don't care who you are. That's huge for God. He doesn't want that. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 1. Let's end there. It says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore, that means I, I beseech you, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy. You remember uh, we, we, we did that, we studied this phrase in Colossians, which means that walking worthy is like a scale that the gospel is one on one side of that scale. Jesus Christ has prayed for the salvation of our souls. He loves us. We are his. So we are supposed to, it says, walk in a manner or live in a, a manner. So walk is live in a manner that's worthy of the gospel. That's worthy of the price he paid for your soul. That's worthy of that. So the other side of the scale, of the scale, our walk, our, the way we live, what we say, what we do, supposed to weigh something to balance some of that out, even though we can't balance it out. But God says that you do the things I ask you to do, and it'll, it'll show you walking and living worthy of what I've, I've given my only begotten son for you. That's what that, 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 that is saying there. Of the calling which you have been called with all humility and gentleness. We, we won't unpack this today. And with patience, showing tolerance. Come on. Showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve Oh, there's that word again. The unity of each other, the spirit. Preserving the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. That's what God is telling us. Woo! There is 
unity in the Spirit of God. If we are out of unity in your marriage, if you are out of unity, it's not because the Spirit of God is in there doing something to cause that disunity. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. We'll talk about causes and all like that later on. We'll talk about now, the positive thing is that the Spirit is going to always lead for peace and unity because it says that to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. God wants peace. Peace he's left with us, he said in, in the Gospel of John. Talking about Jesus. Peace he's left with us. Not peace that the world gives, but peace that passes all understanding. Peace. In, regardless of our circumstances, peace, regardless of whether things are going our way, peace because the unity of the Spirit is going to always preserve harmony and we're always supposed to be in oneness. He didn't ask us for uniformity. You see, if you watch the game today, the, who's playing today anyway? The Patriots playing Denver? And Seahawks playing 49ers, you're not going to find some of Denver people wearing Patriots uniforms. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. They are all in the same uniform. You can tell who Denver is. And you can tell who New England is because they wear their uniform. uniform. In the body of Christ, he's not asking for all of us to be in the same uniform. Look how, how, what different uniforms we have on. All of us are different, huh? All of us are different. In, in, the, in the public schools, sometimes they say, well, okay, everybody gonna, we're going to have a uniform policy. Everybody's going to wear the same thing. These khakis and something they wear in, 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 in some of the junior high schools. and down, they, 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 they make everybody wear the same uniform. But in the body of Christ, he said, no, that's not unity. I'm looking for all that I have put in you because every single person is different before God. He placed gifts and callers in each one of you. He placed a different personality in, in each one of you. Even though they say it's only about four different personality types, there's so many mixtures in that everybody's different. We have similarities, but everybody's different. We are so different. God, if God wanted uniformity, uniformity he would have given everybody the same fingerprint. But you said, well, he couldn't do that. Yes, he could. If he can give every single person that's ever born, ever will be born, a different fingerprint, I wonder how he keep up with it. I wonder, does he have a ledger, a computer set? Okay, now nah, I've used that one before. You know? what, what, what do you think? All knowledge. He doesn't want everybody the same. He doesn't want everybody the same. That's why he gives gifts differing. And we're supposed to be in unity with each other because I need your gift, you need my gift, we need each other's gift because we're all different and all that difference makes up. That's why he says that they, um, even in, in like 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he'll, he'll tell you, he said, well, you know, the Holy Spirit gives gifts different and he gives manifestations and therefore, he, he said, as he wills, he gives to the body of Christ. As he wills. Because they're different. Everybody's different. So I said, glory, hallelujah. God, you don't want us the same. You don't want us uniform, but you want us in unity. How can we all be in unity and we are so diverse? 
I'm not talking about the complexion of our skins. I'm talking, I don't care if we're all from uh, Nigeria, we're all from Australia, we're, we're, I don't care where we're at, we're still going to be all so different. Well, how can he expect us to be in unity? How important is that word? How important is that word? If he made us so different, and he expects us to be in unity. It can only be because of one thing. Because he's given us the ability to be in unity, hasn't he? And that ability is inside of you, inside of me. And he is called what? The Holy Spirit. You will not be in unity if you don't have the Holy Spirit moving and flowing in your life the way he should. And we'll talk about that a little bit more next week. How, how can we have this? And then, then how, what hindrance is about it? Then we'll talk about another word, love, because you, you can't have unity <laughs> without love. You can't have it, okay? So I'm excited myself because I know what God is calling for because I know that he wants to bless us. This year, I know that. I know that. I know that. And when, when, I, when I try to start off 2014, I try to start off basically, God, what do you want? You know, what's important to you? You know, I can come with a, you know, just a, God has said this right here for 2014. He said this for 2013. He said this for 2012. What is he saying? And I have to be find that out because I'm the lead the one to do it, the lead elder. So, so what I what I know is that this is huge. This is huge. This is huge. And I'll tell you more how huge it is. If you want the anointing to flow, and you want to see the substantial good. The, and how pleasant it is, what God has in store for those who love him, it starts with this word that we talked about, unity, together. It starts with that. Without that, nothing is going to happen that's supposed to happen. Guaranteed. You know it. I know it because you can look at any marriage and you know that marriage is not going to do have the same effect on the children, on each other, if you do not have unity in the spirit. It's not going to be. Simple as that. Will it be a marriage? Absolutely. Can you stay together? Absolutely. For seven, five years, you can stay together if you live that long. Yeah, really, if you live to be 95, you can, you can celebrate your seven, fifth anniversary and still don't like each other. <laughs> I'm serious. You think I'm kidding. I counsel. <laughs> I counsel non-Christians. When I was in in in, in secular world, uh, that day, I counsel Christians, and I can tell you that we need unity. It's huge before God. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. 
We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.